Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. After Hershey's decides to virtually signal to the radical trans agenda, we launch Jeremy's Chocolate. John Kerry calls for an energy revolution, but the facts don't back him up. And John Fetterman is apparently sponsoring legislation from a mental hospital. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, folks, as I'm sure you've seen by now, Hershey's decided that it was worthwhile going completely woke. So this makes them the second major chocolate company to decide to move along woke lines. Obviously, you saw M&M's with their body positivity M&M spokespeople and, and all the rest of their silliness. Well, now Hershey's has gone a lot further. So Hershey's over the last couple of days in honor of Women's History Month, because again, women represent 50% of the population, but apparently only about one twelfth of the history. In honor of Women's History Month, they decided to launch their she bars. Ah, yes, because it's her for she. Get it? Like her, she, get it? But here is the thing. That'd be kind of virtue signaling enough, but they decided that the most the, the most virtue signaling that they could pack into one chocolate one chocolate bar was going to be by featuring as the spokesperson for Hershey's for Women's History Month, a dude, an actual man, like a male who believes that he is a woman. And so Hershey's Canada released an, an ad featuring a male to female transgender person. Here we go. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. That's a dude. We can create a world yep, where dude. everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future. Dressed up as a woman. Canada. See the women changing how we see the future. The future is very, very male. All the best, all the best women are men. Okay, so we here at Daily Wire, we don't, we don't particularly hold with this sort of thing. Well, we're not big fans of corporations that decide they're going to virtue signal to you. They're going to try to sell you chocolate or sell you razors or sell you any sort of good by spitting in your face with regard to your own values. And this is why today I am proud to announce that we have launched Jeremy's Chocolate. Yes, you knew it was coming and it's going to happen right now. Head on over to IHateHershey's.com. <laughs> That's a real website, IHateHershey's.com. And what you will find there is Jeremy's Chocolate Binary. Jeremy's Chocolate Binary. There are two types of chocolate bars that we are selling. We have he-him bars, and we have she-her bars. The he-him bars are complete with nuts. The she-her bars are nutless. Indeed, yes, there are no nuts in the she-her bar because we at Jeremy's Chocolate, we understand there's a difference between men and women, and we feel that any bar that is labeled he should, in fact, have nuts. And any bar that is labeled she should, in fact, not have nuts. It's very obvious, and it's very clear. As I hate Hershey's says on the website, some chocolate companies don't even know what a woman is, but we do. Indulge in the chocolate binary. One with nuts, one without. You know which is which. Yes, indeed. Help buy some of these bars, honestly. Yeah, it's a troll, but also the chocolate's good. And also, you're going to be demonstrating to Hershey's and other woke chocolate companies that, you know, you don't have to take your money to them. They, they, you, they don't need to have your money. If they hate your values and they spit in your face and they believe that they can cram down their idiotic, social justice warrior messaging about how men are women and women are men in the middle of Women's History Month. If you're a woman, for example, and you actually would like to celebrate being a woman with some chocolate 
late in the day because your kids have run you ragged or because you're late at work and you actually don't wish to honor a company that believes that men are women, well, now would be an excellent time to head over to IHateHershey's.com. That site is live and you can order a four-pack, a 10-pack, or a 24-pack of our chocolate bars. Again, the he-him bars come with nuts. The she-her bars are nutless, as God made them. So just wanted to announce that right off the top. And, you know, honestly, our goal is to sell a lot of these bars because we would like for the media to understand. We would like for, for Hershey's to understand that they shouldn't be promoting this sort of left-wing garbage and, and using your money to do it and then trying to sell you product on the back of hating your values. Once more, IHateHershey's.com. Go check it out right now. Okay, meanwhile, speaking of the delusional, John Kerry, for some odd reason, that is a dude who has just failed up his entire career. He's like, he, he went to Vietnam after running a failed congressional race. He went to Vietnam, he came back, he slandered all of his fellow soldiers. And then he ended up in the United States Senate and like Joe Biden has been a career useless person. The difference is that he actually lost his run for the presidency in 2004, but that didn't stop him from continuing to be a prominent public figure, even as his face elongated, sort of like the Edvard Munch scream painting. That's, that's sort of what has happened to, to John Kerry's face over time. He is gradually turning into the Easter Island head. Well, he is still the top climate diplomat, despite being a person who has probably produced more carbon emissions than 99.99% of the population. Well, a couple of days ago, it was announced that Kerry will stay in his role as President Joe Biden's special climate envoy, at least through this year's UN climate talks set for December in Dubai, ending speculation that he might soon depart. He recently informed Biden of his decision to stay in his post. Well, yeah, I mean, what else is he going to do with his life? Go windsurfing again? He said there was insufficient, there was unfinished business. I felt it would be inappropriate to walk away from that at this point in time. So he's going to stay through the COP28 climate meeting where nations will hold a global stock take to assess the gap between their progress in combating climate change and the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement to keep the temperatures well below two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That, of course, is not going to happen. But he's traveling around the world and speaking on behalf of the green climate agenda. And many of the things that he is saying are just not true. And today, I'd like to go through some of the things that the environmentalist movement says about the green transition, the transition to green energy that are just not true. Because it turns out a lot of it is just a pack of lies. It is virtue signaling lies that are directed toward redistributionism and quashing global capitalism in the name of a goal they will never achieve. It's kind of important to understand that when they promote a thing, they're not actually promoting the thing they say they're promoting. They're promoting a different thing. And they're not actually promoting an end to climate change. What they actually are promoting is an end to capitalism and a redistributionist economic system under the guise of solving the climate problem. Well, speaking of people who don't tell you the truth, simple fact of the matter is that your internet service provider very often, they'll say things like, you are now in incognito mode. Let me tell you something. You are not in incognito mode because incognito mode means they can still monitor everything that you do and they still grab your data and they still sell it to advertisers. Well, you shouldn't give them that data. That data is none of their business. This is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN protects you every time you connect to an unencrypted network because in cafes, hotels, airports, et cetera, your online data is not secure. Any hacker on the same network can access and steal that personal data. Plus, you have big tech watching you. Plus, you have big tech working hand in glove with the government. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. ExpressVPN works on all my devices. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you are protected. This is why I use ExpressVPN. Because again, my data is my business, and I don't wish to subsidize a lot of big tech companies that hate my gut. So instead, I keep my data to myself. Do the same. Get the VPN I trust to protect my online privacy. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
We all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and get into the comfortable loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John because as I slip into something more comfortable, my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, it's stylish enough to wear for a quick stroll to the park with my kids. And you won't look like you just rolled out of bed, even if you may have done just that. Tommy John uses luxuriously soft tri-blend fabrics with flexible four-way stretch. Plus, their fabric is non-pilling, meaning it doesn't leave behind lint balls or fuzz. And guys, you might be wondering how they can get any better. Good news. Their underwear, amazing. I mean, I've been using them for years, literally throughout all my other pairs of underwear. Incredibly durable. Their fabric moves with you. It's just great stuff. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So shop Tommy John. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Save 20% for a limited time at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Okay, so John Kerry is still gallivanting around the world talking about the climate agenda. So here he was at a at a at an event called Ocean. I, I believe this was in Brazil, I think. Um, and uh, and he was explaining that all the science says that the time is running out to act on climate. Now, again, these are sufficiently vague statements that they don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. If we're talking about what we can do to mitigate future climate change, the time is never running out because presumably we can still mitigate whatever is going to happen tomorrow. If what he means is that time is running out in order for us not to hit like 1.5 degrees Celsius climate change or two degrees Celsius climate change, that time is already over. The emissions are already up in the air, and we ain't, we ain't keeping it under that if you believe in the anthropogenic climate change arguments that are made by folks on the left and many people in the, in the climatologist departments over at MIT and Caltech. In any case, here is John Kerry explaining that he is on the side of the science. And the truth is, my friends, these choices that we've been making about how we drive our economies, time is running out. And the science is what tells us that. Not John Kerry, not President Biden, not any of the ministers who are here. Science, mathematics, physics, chemistry, biology, all of them on a factual basis are screaming to us about the choices we face. They're all screaming us about, okay, but here's the problem. The choices that we face are not the choices that John Kerry says we face. Okay, the reality is the world is going to be dependent on fossil fuels for a very long time to come because the green tech just isn't there. And this is the part they just won't say. They say it behind closed doors, by the way. I've been in meetings with people, climatologists from MIT, from Caltech, who will tell you that the green revolution is not here. The tech just isn't here. But then if you say that publicly, they yell at you. Then they say it's because you're insufficiently committed. See, the thing is, Bernie Sanders has a line in his in his newest garbage book in, in which he says, it, it's an amazing, amazing line. He, he suggests that politics is not about attempting to allocate scarce resources or about policy. It's not about any of those things. He has one line that's really telling. He says, our economic debates should not revolve around questions of resources. They should revolve around questions of intent and will. Intent and will. In other words, this is the way the left-wingers view government. Government is capable of anything. It's not a question of what government can do. It's not a question of what government should do. It's about intent and will. Do you have a good intent? And do you have enough will to ram that thing through? And that is what it comes down to when it comes to climate change. For people like John Kerry, they never have to look at the science because the science actually doesn't matter to them. The point is that they have good intent. Their intent, my intent is good. I'm going to save the planet and I have the will. Do you have the will? If we don't do it, it's because you're a bad person who doesn't, who doesn't have the will. It's not about will. 
It's not about intent. It is, in fact, about what you can do and what you should do. But these are questions that are never asked when it comes to climate change, because the whole goal of the climate change movement is not, in fact, to actually lower the future climate change. It is not, in fact, to adapt to climate change and prevent future death and suffering. The goal of the movement is to politically wrongfoot its opponents in favor of a more pure redistributionist scheme for the global economy. But John Kerry, he never tells you the truth about the actual choices that we face, because the actual choices that we face are a lot more grave than the ones he likes to say. So instead, they lie to you, just like all politicians lie to you. And they say things like, there'll be a green revolution. It'll create millions of jobs and your lifestyle will be even better than it was before. It's a win, win, win. It's a Michael Scott win, win, win. It isn't, though. So here is John Kerry talking about climate change being a crisis of our own choices. We face a crisis of the choices that we make. Not all of us individually, but yes, in many ways, still individually by what we buy, how we live, the choices we make on a daily basis. And the crisis that we face today on the global biome is a crisis that comes from unabated emissions. Unabated emissions, says the man who has been spending his entire career flying around in private jets. And then, of course, he touts the Inflation Reduction Act. So one of the big lies that the Biden administration told is that the Inflation Reduction Act would reduce inflation. Spoiler alert, it didn't even come close to reducing inflation. It actually turns out that when you pour more money into the economy, you increase inflation. But the, the real truth is that they meant it to be a climate legislation boondoggle. The problem is, of course, it's not going to achieve its goals. because None of this is designed to achieve the goals they say it's designed to achieve. It's not going to have any market impact on climate change. Even the Paris agreements would not have any market impact on the upward trajectory of climate change if the United States kept to it. And that is the sad truth. That is the sad reality. But here's John Kerry pushing it. For our part, the United States is highlighting 77 announcements from eight agencies and offices valued at nearly $6 billion. This is more than double the commitments that we highlighted last year in terms of dollar value, and it thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the most significant piece of climate legislation in our history, uh, we will be doing even more. Okay, and the end goal, of course, is to pressure the fossil fuel industry to change. It's the fossil fuel industry we need to get them to stop. That's, that's the real problem here, according to John Kerry. And I personally know this new president, Sultan al-Jaber, who has been leading the deployment of renewables in the UAE, who has been part of a process that has been investing globally in renewables for years, and that has already deployed renewables in their own country. My friends, I believe it's important for us to understand that to get this job done, we have to be inclusive, and we need to get the fossil fuel industry to change its own choices and join other fossil fuel companies that have decided they're going to be energy companies, not oil companies. He's selling you a bill of goods here, and I'll explain exactly why he's selling you a bill of goods in just one second. First, let's talk about what nature does require of you. One of the things nature requires of you is that you eat your vegetables and have your fruits. It's a problem for me. I don't like vegetables. I think God punished us with vegetables because they taste terrible, but they're good for you. Well, balance of nature can provide you one solution. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies, is the best way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their products are 100% whole food. Balance of nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. 
Balance of Nature sends a bunch of their product down to the studio for us to try. They are kosher, so I've been using them. Let me tell you, they may be the only thing keeping me alive at this point since my kids are not allowing me to sleep. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first preferred order. If you're somebody like me who doesn't get the nutrients that you actually need because you don't do the fruits and vegetables thing as much as you should, Balance of Nature can help solve that problem for you. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Shapiro, get 35% off your very first order as a preferred customer. Again, balanceofnature.com, enter promo code Shapiro, get 35% off your first preferred order. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so let's talk about the flaws in the in the arguments that John Kerry is making. So there's a very good book out that I highly recommend by a guy named Peter Zihan. You may have heard Zihan on Joe Rogan's show. And he has a very good book out right now called The End of the World is Just the Beginning, in which in fairly granular detail, he goes through resource allocation around the world, how much cobalt there is in the world and where it's located, how much cobalt it would take to to generate certain types of batteries, how to make a lithium battery and how much lithium it takes to make a lithium battery and all the rest of this sort of stuff. And he comes to a few conclusions about green tech because he's talking about the fact that he believes that as the world becomes less interconnected, as globalization ends, supply chains are going to become attenuated and they're going to break more easily, and the world is going to become a worse place. And so what he says is, if you are relying on green to pick up the slack, you're wrong. So here's some of the problems that he points out here. And again, I think this is important for people to know, because whether you are left or right or center, it is important to be very accurate about what government can do and what we can achieve. Otherwise, you're just shouting into the wind. Otherwise, when you're talking about green tech and the green revolution and reshifting our economy and all this kind of stuff, you're just the same as Joe Biden shouting about how he's going to end cancer by yelling at it. So Peter Zihan talks about a list of problems with the so-called green revolution, this green tech revolution that's supposed to reshift all energy resources on planet Earth toward renewables. He points out that the best replacement for oil is actually natural gas, which is true. If you look at the reduction in emissions in the United States over the course of the last decade and a half, that has been largely due to the replacement of oil with natural gas. But the lefty environmentalists don't like natural gas in the same way that they don't like nuclear energy. But if you move beyond fossil fuels, he points out, quote, either the cost of the substitute is in excess of 10 times that of the original input, the carbon footprint is in excess of 10 times that of the original input, or more likely both. In other words, if you use solar, it's going to be way more expensive. And if you use like animal dung to replace oil, it's way more carbon intensive. So you're going to have to make some really, really bad choices. Green tech, as it turns out, is not remotely space efficient. Solar is 1,000 times less dense than systems powered by more conventional means. It takes an awful lot of land covered in really ugly solar panels in order for you to achieve even remotely similar amounts of power to oil, natural gas, and fossil fuel resources that generally power electrical grids. 
when it comes to efficiency, we spent enormous amounts of money globally on solar tech from 2014, which is when the solar boom started, until about 2020. 1.5% of total electricity now comes from solar. 1.5% globally comes from solar. And one of the, there are a bunch of problems with things like solar and wind. Some of them are dispatchability. It turns out that the sun shines where it shines and the wind blows where the wind blows, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily live near where the sun shines or where the wind blows. 95% of humans, as Zihan points out, live within 50 miles of their power plant. He says green tech in its current form simply isn't able to shave more than a dozen or so percentage points off fossil fuel demand. In fact, places that have shifted over to green tech are spending four times what they normally would for power. Even places like California, which has tried to make that shift, and California is a, is a fairly welcoming place in terms of green energy. It has good green resources. Even California is paying three times what it normally would for power. It would be paying four, except that it's importing power from other states and then pretending that it's not, in the same way that Europe was pretending that it was engaged in a green revolution and then just importing oil and natural gas from Russia. Perhaps the biggest problem with the green tech movement is that a lot of the green tech is not storable. See, here's the thing. Fuel, like oil, natural gas, coal, what these are, are physical energy, right? These are energy in physical form, which means they are transportable. It means they are movable. It means that they don't just dissipate immediately. That is not true for solar and wind. How do you store the energy from the solar or the wind? It exists in time. So people have talked about, well, we need battery power. Well, there's only one problem. You ain't got nothing remotely like the kind of batteries that would be necessary to store the energy that you are talking about. Zihan says, assuming that the technological improvements in the world of batteries that have unfolded since 1990 continue into 2026, the cost of a four-hour lithium grid storage system will be about 250 bucks per megawatt hour of capacity, six times that of the standard combined cycle natural gas plant, which is currently the most common electricity generating asset in the United States. Despite all of the talk about solar and wind in the state of California, for example, the amount of total storage, power storage in the state of California right now is one minute of power. One minute of power, which is why when you look at states like Texas and there's a big freeze, that the sources of energy that fail are the renewables. The renewables fail. All the other energy, the natural gas and all the rest of that, if there are failures, it's because like a pipe cracks. But the usual answer is you have to ramp up the natural gas and the oil in order to compensate for the failure of the renewables. So Zihan concludes, green tech in its current form simply isn't mature enough or cheap enough to move the needle for most peoples in most locations. It's largely limited to developed countries with rich capital supplies who just coincidentally happen to have large population centers fairly close to sunny or windy locations. Nearly all other locations globally will remain dependent upon more traditional fuels for the vast majority of their energy needs. And so what exactly is going to happen to all of those other countries? Well, as it turns out, if they can't get a hold of oil, it's going to get worse in terms of the environment, not better. They're going to turn to coal or they're going to turn to lignite. Okay, lignite is a barely qualifies as coal fuel that is typically one-fifth water by weight and is by far the least efficient and dirtiest fuel in use today. Germany today already uses lignite as its primary power input fuel because green tech has failed. And yet the Germans, for environmental reasons, have shut down their other power generation options like nuclear and natural gas. And instead, they're using the far dirtier lignite. This is why when you hear people like John Kerry babble about green energy, when you hear Joe Biden talk about, oh, we need to spend a billion dollars, we'll shift all the power. No, you moron. We're going to be using oil and natural gas for a very, very long time to come. And when you disincentivize the creation of oil refineries, for example, which takes sometimes 10 years to come online, all you are doing is making energy more expensive. And by the way, you're not helping the environment because people are going to be using other cheaper and dirtier forms of energy in substitute. Which is the reason why, for all the happy talk about environmentalism, you know who actually is uh, generating the, the most emissions right now? China, of course. 
According to the Washington Post, despite the West's enormous head start, China is projected to have emitted more total carbon dioxide than all of Europe by 2039 and more than the United States by 2050. We don't mean that they're, they're the leading emitter now. They are already the leading emitter. We mean that historically speaking, by 2050, they will have emitted more in terms of carbon emissions than the entire history of the United States in terms of carbon emissions at that point. Because it turns out developing countries, they don't care very much about John Kerry's whims. They just want to make sure that their people don't starve. And the world of reality is a difficult reality for politicians. And if the world of reality can also be a difficult reality for you if you don't take care to actually prep, which is one reason why I recommend Jace Medical. So I got emergency medications from Jace Medical because listen, during, the, during the pandemic, it turns out that pretty much everything broke. All of the supply chains broke. If you're living in China, they basically welded you into your apartment so you couldn't get the medications you need. That sort of stuff actually, as we now know, does happen. And you need the medications that you need when you need those medications. Why not be prepared? Jay's case is a pack of five different antibiotics you can use to treat a host of bacterial illnesses in an emergency. You can get your Jace emergency medications right now because the vast majority of vital medications are going to be very hard to get if our supply chain gets any worse. We've already seen antibiotic shortages last month. Visit jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes, fill out their online form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You can enter code BEN at checkout for a discount on your order. That's J-A-S-E at medical.com, promo code BEN. Again, the, the Biden administration seem keen on, um, on making the world less globalized in certain ways, which means that those supply chains are going to become a lot weaker. You're not going to be able to get the medications you need. You should head on over to Jace Medical. Go check them out right now. JaceMedical.com, promo code Ben. That's JaceMedical.com, promo code Ben. Okay, so reality is a hell of a, is a, hell of a waker-upper. We, we've been spending the last several decades in sort of a miasmatic dream of our own making. And that's particularly true when it comes to the economy. What we're about to see in terms of the economy, we're about to see a recession. One of the reasons that we're about to see a recession is because all the loose money is going away. When you just inflate the currency and when you make it possible for people to take out incredibly cheap credit, people tend to use it on a bunch of dumb projects. You'll get the occasional project that hits and then you'll get a lot of projects that fail because people have cheap money and they're going to spend it on things. And so what you have seen is a burst of risky spending over the course of the last several years, and nowhere is this truer than in the world of big tech, which is about to see a pretty massive cleanup. And when you have a bubble and the bubble bursts, what ends up happening is all the air in the bubble escapes. And that is what is happening right now in the economy. As the interest rates ramp up, as it becomes harder to get credit, a lot of the folks who took out cheap and easy credit on speculative projects are about to get it directly in the tuchus. According to the Washington Post, eight years ago, Google's founders split the company up into separate entities and named the collection Alphabet, the idea was to separate the core business, the company's giant advertising machine, from these side projects that needed time to develop, but could one day become Google's next big moneymaker. But that next big moneymaker has not materialized. Revenue still comes overwhelmingly from advertising. Google has shuttered most of the other so-called moonshots, from internet delivering balloons to glucose measuring contact lenses. Even the most advanced of its side projects, self-driving car lab Waymo, healthcare tech startup Barely, are now confined by the limits of regular business. On Wednesday, Waymo laid off 8% of its workforce, adding to a previous round of cuts in January. Now, this is a long time coming. It's not only going to happen in big tech. It's also going to happen in real estate. We've been seeing the prices of real estate stagnate. They will start to drop at some point here. Because again, if you spent on a speculative mortgage and then it turns out that you can't afford that mortgage because of the inflation, then a lot of the money is going to get washed out of the system. Shoppers right now are pulling back. All the talk about a, a happy landing here, an easy landing, a soft landing, that seems 
Like that is that is wishful thinking at best. According to the Wall Street Journal, consumers pulled back on purchases of apparel and electronics in recent months while continuing to spend on groceries and other necessities, which is why they are called necessities. Macy's and Best Buy said they expect sales to fall this year after declining in 2022. Macy's chief executive, Jeff Gennett, said he expects consumers to be in worse shape in 2023 than they were last year. According to Rodney McMullen, chief executive of Kroger, they are behaving as if they are already in a recession. Consumers are shopping more frequently than they have in recent months, and they're still splurging on products they want like premium beer. But people are starting to shift their spending habits because, again, when the easy money goes away, what you end up with is typically a recession. And this is going to be the future of Western economies unless we get our spending under control. Because when you spend too much money, when you take out too much government debt, you have to pay off that debt somehow. Typically, the way that you pay off that debt is you either raise the taxes dramatically or you have to inflate the currency. Those are usually the best ways of doing that sort of thing. Or you have to play financial trickeries in which you essentially inflate one type of bond and deflate another type of bond. All that is game playing. But quantitative easing is usually where the governments get out of this sort of stuff, and that creates economic stagnation. And higher taxation creates economic stagnation. Joe Manchin, one of the only sane Democrats left in the Senate of the United States, he says, listen, you can't tax your way out of debt, which apparently is the plan of the Biden administration. You know, the president indicated yesterday, Senator, a quoting here, I want to be clear, I'm going to raise some taxes. He didn't outline what taxes he's going to raise. You limited those he wanted to increase a couple of years ago. Where are you on that, and what do you think he's talking about? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll probably hear something today, hopefully, of what direction they want to go. But I can assure you, you can't basically just tax your way out of, of debt. You can't borrow your way out of debt, and you can't cut your way out of debt. Okay, he, uh, he happens to be correct about all of this. Nouriel Rubini, who's known as Dr. Doom because he has predicted like 13 of the last two recessions, uh, he, he is predicting doom again, but it's worth listening to what he has to say at the very least. He was one of the first economists to call the 2008 recession, and he's been warning for months of a stagflationary debt crisis, which combines the worst aspects of 70s style stagflation and the 2008 debt crisis. He says, I believe a stagflationary crisis is going to emerge this year. He estimates the Federal Reserve would need to lift benchmark rates well above 6% for inflation to fall back to its 2% target, but that could spark a severe recession. One of the big problems, as uh, Mohammed El Arian has pointed out over at Allianz, is that the last Federal Reserve meeting, they raised the interest rates by 25 basis points, 0.25%. Before that, they'd been doing it half a percent, right? 50 basis points. By reducing that, they, let, they gave a signal to the market they thought they had inflation under control. The problem is it looks like inflation is ramping back up. So now if they reverse themselves, it looks like they don't have anything under control. So they got a real problem on their hands. It looks like they let off the brakes a little bit too early. And so this car is still headed toward the cliff, just at a slightly slower pace. And none of this is going to be good for Joe Biden, but it's not going to be good for you. Because again, when politicians tell you that you can have all the things, that is a lie. Every single policy decision is a trade-off. Every single thing in your life is a trade-off. You know this. You know this from your own life. You can't be in two places at once. You can't spend one minute in two different ways. And when it comes to government policy, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs to any given policy. This is why it annoys me when politicians of all stripes suggest that there is some sort of panacea, that there is some sort of utopia available in terms of policy. It's just not true. It's just not true. Well, when the American public sees that politicians are lying to them, they tend to get rather angry. And that's what's about to happen to Joe Biden. So Joe Biden is getting kind of grumpy. He was asked yesterday about when he was going to announce his reelect effort. He said, I'm going to announce when I announce, and I'm going to announce when I announce. Hey, Gordon. When will you announce your reelection, sir? When I announce it. Oh, why are you when he announces it. Meanwhile, he is still dodging about when he's going to visit East Palestine, Ohio. 
And this is such an unforced error by, by Joe Biden. I don't understand this at all. It's the same kind of unforced error that Pete Buttigieg made. You, you have to imagine at this point that it is actual spite, that he, he just looks at the people in East Palestine. He's like, those people aren't going to vote for me anyway. And I don't want any pictures of myself near a, near a blown up train or something. Here was Joe Biden answering this question. I've spoken with every official in Ohio, Democrat and Republican, on a continuous basis, as in Pennsylvania. I laid out a little bit in there what I think the answers are. We put it together, and we will be implementing an awful lot into the legislation here. Yeah, meanwhile, Joe Manchin, again, saying the correct thing. Joe Biden should go to East Palestine, Ohio, if he wishes to win states like Ohio in the future. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine was speaking earlier this morning on this network, yeah. sir, talking about maybe it's time the president really visit East Palestine here, that talking about it and his agencies dealing with it isn't enough. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I can only speak for myself. When I was governor, I knew I had to be there. I knew that gave the confidence to the citizens of my state if I was there. I know being a president and having 50 states and all that, when you have a tragic tragedy such as this, that's 20 miles from the border of West Virginia. I spoke to all of their different water departments because some of that had leaked into the Ohio River. We're watching that plume as it was floating by. They took alternative action to make sure that it wouldn't ingest any of that in the water filtration plants. So we were all concerned to a certain extent. Everybody has a different style. I personally, if any way humanly possible, uh, uh, would be at the, immediately the same day or the day after that anything would happen in my state. And he happens to be, again, correct about that. Well, here's the thing. Joe Biden's 2024 campaign, it's already on the ropes. The economy is not going to be good heading into the election. And not only that, now I know that we've all forgotten about this because it happened, I mean, hell, at least two years ago. And in, in, in political time, that is just an enormous amount of time. It happened about a year and a half ago. But this president of the United States did, in fact, surrender Afghanistan to a bunch of 8th century barbarians and subject 38 million people to tyranny and cast tens of thousands of people we had made promises to into the jaws of some of the worst human beings in human history and get a bunch of American soldiers killed in the process and, as it turns out, hand a bunch of, like, billions of dollars in military equipment over to those people. That is something the president did. There was a report that came out earlier this week. It has been wildly undercovered. According to the Wall Street Journal, a government watchdog said an abrupt, uncoordinated withdrawal from Afghanistan and years of problems with planning and oversight of U.S. assistance contributed to the collapse of the Western-backed government in Kabul and the Taliban takeover of the, of the country soon after American forces departed, according to a report released on Monday. Poor accountability on weapons and equipment provided to Afghanistan and a lack of systemic planning were important factors in the military collapse there, according to the report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. The document calls out the Department of Defense for delaying answering official inquiries, missing deadlines, and providing incomplete answers to questions. The inspector general laid blame on U.S. administrations going all the way back to George W. Bush. They tried to lay blame on Donald Trump as well and the 2020 Doha Agreement, which was sort of the predicate for eventual pullout. But the Biden administration obviously put the capper on this thing. Biden made, quote, an even more abrupt exit than anticipated by Afghan allies, according to the report. Under Joe Biden, he ignored basically all of the warnings as to what was going to happen. He went out and he lied repeatedly to the American people about what was going to happen in Afghanistan. And because of those lies, people died. People died and millions of people are now living under a tyranny. I mean, he was, you remember during this, it wasn't that long ago, during the Afghanistan withdrawal, he suggested there was no chance the Taliban would just be walking into Kabul. And just a couple of months later, the Taliban was walking into Kabul. And by the way, a bunch of American soldiers attempting to get innocent people out of harm's way were slaughtered in the process by a bunch of terrorists he had basically handed control of the country to. 
Joe Biden is going to pay a penalty for that. God's justice comes in that right quick. It is, it is going to happen, which presumably is one of the reasons why Democrats are clinging to power with like a death grip. It's an amazing thing to watch. One example of this, the latest from Senator John Fetterman. So John Fetterman is mentally damaged. It is a person who had a debilitating stroke in the middle of a campaign and Democrats, instead of pulling him during the primaries, decided to run him in the general. And then during the general, when he could not put sentences together, they decided to run him anyway. And even though this was leading to a worse health condition for him, they decided to continue to run him and make him senator from Pennsylvania. Now, there was no need for any of that. They could have found a substitute Democrat. That substitute Democrat likely would have beaten Mehmet Oz because, again, not through fault of Oz, per se, the top of the Democratic ticket, Josh Shapiro, won his race by like 14 points. Very difficult to imagine a race in which the governor of your party wins by 14 and then the senator from your party loses that race. But put all of that aside. Right now, there's no reason for John Fetterman to be in power. John Fetterman is not with us. John Fetterman checked himself into a mental hospital because he has depression, apparently suicidal ideation, which is terrible and tragic. And his family is keeping him in place. His family is still keeping him there. Why? There's only reason, only one reason, pure political cynicism. It's the only reason. Because if John Fetterman were to step down tomorrow, Josh Shapiro, the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, would appoint the person to fill his seat. There'd still be two years left on that term until the next election cycle. And then they'd have to do it again in two years. So Democrats, because they want to keep that seat for six years, have decided that they are going to keep a person who is not competent to hold that seat in place at risk of damaging that person. The latest story about Fetterman, by the way, is absolutely insane. Well, if you are a person who wishes to make the people who work for you better at their jobs, let me recommend ZipRecruiter. Not every role has to be difficult to fill because of ZipRecruiter. Right now, there are a lot of people who are looking to fill jobs, and it's very hard to find good employees. ZipRecruiter can help solve that problem for you. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter's matching technology helps you find the most qualified candidates for a wide range of roles. If you see a candidate you like, you can easily send them a personal invite so they are more likely to apply. Their user-friendly dashboard makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. Right now, see why the majority of employers count on ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Use my exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out. Right now, you can't afford to have insufficient employees at your company. You need better employees today. Head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Once again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Also, it seems like these days, many people on the left are content to live in that post-truth world where facts don't matter and truth like gender is completely fluid. The problem, as my friend Jordan Peterson points out in his new five-part series, Vision and Destiny, is the truth is going to come out regardless of what you think or how you feel. Disregarding the truth, especially when it comes to gender dysphoria, has very real and potentially tragic consequences. Here's what Jordan has to say about it. The trans activists would come up to me and say, well, you know, you're really hurting me if you don't accept my indeterminacy of identity. And I thought, well, that's what you think. But as a trained clinician, I think that I'm going to do you a lot more damage in the medium to long run by going along with your claim that you can just be anything you want moment to moment. You think that's freeing because you regard all social constraints as inhibitions on the wonderful manifestation of your true self. But I know that in order to be healthy in the long run, you have to be integrated at multiple levels of social community and when you introduce indeterminacy as to your status at the sex level, no one has any idea what to do with you. And so how are they going to play with you? They don't know what you are in, the, in some sense that even enables the 
ball game to get off the ground. And so that's no recipe for long-term well-being, because that's always bandied about that notion of well-being and harm. It's like, no, you have to negotiate an identity. Now, the argument that Jordan makes, obviously, is that truth is actually the best curative and that living in a land of fantasy is not a curative. You should check out the third episode of Vision and Destiny out today. New episodes are releasing every single week, but it's exclusive for Daily Wire Plus members. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Vision and Destiny. So speaking of John Fetterman and Democrats desperately clinging to power, how ridiculous has this story become and, and kind of shocking? How, how insane has this story become? Well, they've now released an update on his health. Joe Calvello, who is the communications director, says, quote, we don't have a lot to update folks with since there's no real news to report except that John is doing well. Working with the wonderful doctors, he remains on a path to recovery. He's visiting, visiting with staff and family daily. His staff are keeping him updated on Senate business and news. Our team is moving full speed ahead and working tirelessly for the people of Pennsylvania. Just last week, we opened a new office in Erie and we'll be opening several more offices in the coming weeks. And then they add, we understand the intense interest in John's status and especially appreciate the flood of well wishes. However, as we have said, this will be a weeks-long process. And while we will be sure to keep folks updated as it progresses, there is, that is all there is to give by way of an update. Now, at the same exact time, they're saying there's no update on uh, John Fetterman's health. There is a report that came out same day. Six U.S. senators, including Bob Casey and John Fetterman, introduced the Railway Safety Act of 2023 to help prevent future train derailment disasters. Uh, how? 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 How did that happen? He's literally in a mental hospital right now. How can he join a bipartisan group of senators to introduce legislation? It seems like that would be a relevant question for members of the media to ask. So you have a person who is not well, who's apparently co-sponsoring legislation now. And apparently the AI came for the Senate. Now we just have AI algorithms that are running senators' offices. It's totally wild. Can you imagine if there was a Republican who's legitimately in a state of like a mental hospital and he was co-sponsoring legislation? You think there might be questions about whether that person was capable of functioning in the job? Meanwhile, the Washington Post is doing what the Washington Post does, and they have run to the defense of Giselle Fetterman. So a lot of people on the right, including me, have questioned Giselle Fetterman in terms of her treatment of her husband here. He's not been well for a while here. And Giselle Fetterman is a very political person. There's been a lot of speculation that she would love to fill her, her, her husband's seat if he were to be, if he were to retire from that seat. So the media are already running into defense mode. So Monica Hess has an entire piece called How Giselle Fetterman Became the Right Wing's Favorite Supervillain. Well, I mean, I, I have a question. Would you do this to your husband? If, if you're a wife, would you do this? To your, your husband has a debilitating stroke. You'd keep him on the campaign trail, would you? And then you would have him out there in public, not able to hear words or speak words properly. You would do that to him, would you? Seems like not a great thing to do, regardless of who you are. But says this, this columnist, the attacks on Giselle are dizzying in scope and ambition. John Fetterman, according to one line of grotesque and specious Twitter speculation, struggled with depression because his wife wouldn't stop seeking the spotlight. But then it was also Giselle's fault when to avoid the spotlight brought on by his hospitalization, she decided to take their children to Niagara Falls. Well, no, those two things are not in conflict, actually. It turns out that if your husband is in a mental hospital and needs to see you every day, going to Niagara Falls with the kids is kind of a, a strange decision. In any case, the, the idea here is that, um, that you're sexist if you point out that Giselle Fetterman has made some questionable decisions here. Again, Democrats must always be defended no matter what. And speaking of people clinging to power, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is overtly not with us, she's overtly senile at this point, the senator from California. She's still sitting in the Senate. 
Why aren't Democrats pushing her to step down? Again, there is no reason, except presumably to cling to power. Like, I don't see any reason at all. Because again, Dianne Feinstein, who is 89 years old, is in the bluest state in America, California. She'd be, her, her replacement would be appointed by Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor. So what why? She has said that she wouldn't seek another term in office already. So why not just retire her now? Why not appoint a successor? Except presumably that Gavin Newsom doesn't want the controversy of appointing another successor because he had to do this with Kamala Harris when she became vice president. And he appointed the unknown Alex Padilla to fill that particular seat. All this is uh, creating a real problem for Democrats, actually, because John Fetterman is not president. Bob Casey had prostate cancer surgery last month. He's back at work. But now Dianne Feinstein is in the hospital, which means that they don't actually have a governing majority at this point. Meanwhile, speaking of Democrats who have so far escaped scrutiny for what appears to be rather corrupt behavior, apparently House ethics investigators say they have evidence that Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, so fresh, so faced, the freshest face, whoever fresh faced, she ran afoul of congressional rules after she was slow to reimburse vendors for clothing and other expenses tied to her participation in the 2021 Met Gala. Why, it's almost like the socialists who inhabit the squad are very fond of using other people's money to pay off all of their friends and family members. We just had a story about Cori Bush, another member of the squad. She's an adjunct member of the squad who was apparently paying tens of thousands of dollars to the security contractor who didn't actually have a security license and she ended up, she ended up marrying that guy. And you have Ilhan Omar with all of her payments to the guy who would later become her latest husband who she's not related to, apparently. That was, that was the allegation anyway. So very weird how all of your favorite socialists are happy to use everybody else's money, including campaign money, to benefit people they personally know. It's, it's quite fascinating. At this particular event, Ocasio-Cortez wore a white dress by fashion brand Brother Veli's with the words tax the rich scrawled across the back in red ink. The House Ethics Committee on Thursday released a report by the Office of Congressional Ethics, an internal nonpartisan ethics office that reviews allegations of misconduct. The OCE stated in its June 2022 report that Ocasio-Cortez may have accepted impermissible gifts in the form of hair and makeup services. Those services totaled well over $5,000, which is above the limit on gifts for lawmakers set forth in federal law. The OCE recommended ethics officials subpoena witnesses who didn't cooperate with the probe, including Brother Valley's founder, Aurora James, and other figures with ties to the company. So this, of course, would not be her first run-in with the House Ethics Committee. Unfortunately, a lot of our, a lot of our Congress people have run-ins with the House, House Ethics Committee. They're just delighted. Wonderful, wonderful people in public office. Speaking of wonderful people in public office, it turns out that there is a very, very bad person in Delaware. He is a Maryland mayor, and he has now been indicted, arrested on more than 50 counts of child pornography. His name is Patrick Wojan. Of course, the party of his identity, the party with which he identifies, does not appear anywhere in the CNN report, literally nowhere. It's not in the headline. It is not in the piece. He is a Democrat, of course. Not only is he a Democrat, as it turns out, he is very, very close with Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. Sometimes the gods conspire to keep you from being president of the United States, is what Pete Buttigieg is learning. He was a self-described mentee of Pete Buttigieg. And uh, they took a bunch of pictures together. January 23rd, 2020, he tweeted out a picture of himself with Buttigieg and a quote from Buttigieg. If you notice a pattern across all my policies, it's this. The answers don't all have to come from Washington. Much of the resources should. On my watch, they will to support American mayors and cities. They used to hang out. You tweet out just two mayors grabbing a beer together. Eee. Not, not a particularly good association for, um, for, the, for the current Secretary of Transportation who has run just into the jaws of fate right here. And meanwhile, we have some updates 
on the Roald Dahl boulderization. So you remember that Roald Dahl, the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda and James and the Giant Peach, the publishers decided they were going to go through and they were going to woke up his stories, which is absurd. The, the stories are deliberately unwoke. They're all about how the world's a mean, nasty place and kids have to get used to it and deal with it. Well, who exactly was leading the boulderization of the, of the works? It turns out, according to the Daily Mail, the editors who spent months neutering the works of Roald Dahl were led on their mission to not offend by an individual who describes herself as a, quote, non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist who's on the autism spectrum. Slow clap for the Wokies. Slow clap for you guys. I mean, you just appoint the intellectual and emotional giants of our age to destroy the literature of people who actually create things in our world. The boulderization of Dahl's works, which broadly included eliminating language deemed insensitive and non-inclusive, was done by a UK-based group of consultants from Inclusive Minds. In the case of the Roald Dahl debacle, there's a person named Joe Ross Barrett, who's at the head of the project. Ross Barrett describes herself as, again, a non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist. If you are non-binary and asexual, doesn't that mean that you don't have relationships? But she's in a polyamorous relationship. In relationship anarchist. What is a relationship anarchist exactly? Do you like blow up relationships? You like leave bombs randomly in relationships? She's a former project manager at the Woke Forum. And uh, she posted on LinkedIn in 2022, she was working on a secret project involving the work of a well-known children's author. In a profile of Barrett, they, them, is described as a writer and editor with a passion for championing inclusive content and policies. Barrett's previous work has been published in Bible, an anthology. Bible. Got it, got it. Got it. Uh-huh, she's by. It's an anthology about bisexuality and related identities. An AZE journal, an online magazine for aromantic spectrum, asexual spectrum, and agender people. The, these are the people who should be taking you know, great works of children's literature and absolutely destroying them. These are... It is amazing how you have an entire leech class who is just, all they do is live off the creations of others and destroy those creations. They're like cultural locusts. They just descend from the sky onto actual creativity and destroy it, destroy it wholesale. And this is, if there's one rule among the wokes, it is that they have not created anything of value anytime in recent history. And they spend all day basically just ripping into people who actually did things during their life. Which brings us to Whoopi Goldberg. So yesterday, Whoopi Goldberg decided that um, she would defend tearing down a statue of Abraham Lincoln. So here you have pitted against one another, a person who has not acted in 20 years and who has been sitting on The View, a repository of most stupidity in the universe. And by the way, has engaged in her very name in a wild act of cultural appropriation because her actual name is not Whoopi Goldberg. She's not in fact Jewish. Talking about tearing down a statue of the great emancipator who fought the Civil War to end slavery. These, these are the people we have decided to put in charge of our cultural steering wheel. Abraham Lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals. We liked him. <laughs> now they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Well, that statue was not good enough because it showed a slave down at Lincoln's feet. And if we're tearing down statues uh, that are really not in tune with where we are as a nation, or at least where we were a couple of months ago, uh, yeah, you got to take it down. You got to take it down, says Whoopi Goldberg, because she, of course, has been just a, a massively creative voice in our nation's veteran. It's, it's very, very important stuff. Alrighty, it's time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things I like today. So Russell Brand is one of the most creative minds out there. Russell, Russell is a fascinating guy. I've had several conversations with him. He is shockingly 
intelligent and also just eclectic as all hell. I mean, if you talk with him, it's sort of like watching somebody pick apples randomly off a tree. It's it's, it's an amazing, it's a very strange and, and weird experience. He did a, a really good interview with Joe Rogan the other day. They were talking about the the attempts by to science to shut down all conversation around important topics surrounding COVID. And here's what Russell Brand had to say. And the horse medicine was the same. They had a, the option of saying, look, we don't know that there's no evidence as yet that ivermectin is effective in these spaces because no one's trialing it because there's no money in it because science is a subset yeah. of big pharma and the economic imperatives that right No one's doing experiments into natural immunity because natural immunity is not profitable. No one's doing those. Those experiments are not being underwritten. There's no clinical trials for that because no one wants that data for vitamin D or for steroids or for all of the things that came out yeah. as ultimately effective once the profits have been gleaned. Okay, so he's not wrong about this. That, that big pharma obviously does not have a tremendous interest in researching natural immunity because there's no profit margin there. But that's what he's missing is that's where the government theoretically should step in, right? So when it comes to the government and lack of profit incentive, that would be like a, a question of the commons, right? Where there's a public good that needs to be pursued and isn't going to be pursued by private industry and where the government has a rather large stake in determining whether natural immunity is just as good as vax immunity or better. And the government did nothing about it. That's the part that's insane. You're not surprised the big pharma didn't research natural immunity. Why would they? Again, that's not actually their job. They create drugs to solve problems. But if natural immunity were to be researched, wouldn't it be the government that could have saved billions and billions and billions of dollars by looking into natural immunity? And by the way, saved economies all across the world by looking into natural. Why didn't they do that? That's the real question. So I think Russell's answer would be that a lot of members of the government are kind of in the pay of Big Pharma. That's not a terrible answer, but I think that there's something else going on, which is that a lot of members of government like the control. They like being in control. And if they'd actually researched natural immunity, if they had looked at the data very early on from the Santa Clarita study that was done by Jay Bhattacharya, looking at the levels of the antibodies that were prevalent in Santa Clarita, like really early on, then that might have undercut their entire argument for controlling every aspect of your life. But again, I'm glad that that Russell is having that conversation with Joe Rogan and uh, good for, for Russell for having that conversation. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So I'm, I'm really sick of hearing men ramble about the evils of quote-unquote toxic masculinity. I'm really tired of it. How about defend a good version of masculinity rather than spending all your days jabbering about toxic masculinity? Now you need a replacement theory when it comes to masculinity. If the idea is toxic masculinity is super bad, and you need to replace that with something better. Why don't you advocate for what the better is? Because otherwise, what you're going to get is just toxic masculinity versus, what, effeminacy? You need to provide an alternative for men to turn to, a set of obligations that men have, a thing for them to do in the world. So I say this because Doug Emhoff, the first lady slash first gentleman of, of, the, of the United States government, um, he is married to Kamala Harris. He's the second gentleman, I'm sorry. He, uh, he's out there on MSNBC during Women's History Month condemning toxic masculinity. And this sort of crap is just so tiresome. Can we just talk about masculinity for a moment? Um, oh, has being second gentleman changed your own view of perceived gender roles or what it means to be a man? Oof, that's, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and something I've spoken about a lot. There's too much of toxicity it's masculine toxicity out there. And we've kind of confused what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine. Can I put this out there? Where society right now is, is lacking. Well, the, the big problem, the big shortcoming is not lack of masculinity. We need more masculinity in our society. We need more good, responsible, hardworking, 
and, and masculine men in our society. We are a society that is descended into androgyny, that has decided to privilege femininity above masculinity, even for men. And this is a mistake. If you want there to be a society that values strong men, then you should incentivize strong men to be strong. You shouldn't treat it as borderline toxicity when men open doors for women. You shouldn't treat it as borderline toxicity when men say they want to provide for their wives and children. You shouldn't treat it as, as somehow an infringement on female prerogatives for men to want to get ahead in the workplace. Like I, I, What we have done in our society is we have taken away all the responsibilities for men. And then when men get angry, then we label it toxic masculinity. And we say that really what we need is for you guys to basically just be blobs, just be blobs. And then we're surprised when men are depressed and upset and suicidal and don't have jobs and they're unemployed and they're not going to college. Take away the role that people are supposed to play in life and they have no role. And then they turn to negative things. Ripping on toxic masculinity ain't going to do the trick here, especially when you're providing no actual models for real masculinity out there. It's, it's really a problem. Okay, we are, we are going to bring back something that we haven't done here in a while here on the Ben Shapiro Show. It's something we used to do a long time ago. And the fact is that for years and years and years, there's been an infusion of left-wing political bias into children's literature. And so a few years ago, we used to do something on this show that we liked to call Uncle Ben's SJW Storytime. Alrighty, folks. So today on Uncle Ben's SJW Storytime, we'll be reading you a book that your school libraries will probably be having a drag queen read your book. It's very, read to your children. It's very important that you see the kind of crap that is read to your kids during SJW Storytime. So here we go. Today's book is a story by The Changemakers. It is titled The Courage to Be Truly Free, Coco's Blueprint for Self-Revival. And of course, this whole thing is about how um, we're going to turn the freaking zebras gay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually what this book is about. So here we go. The Courage to Be Truly Free. It's dedicated to overcoming legislation like the Florida Parental Rights and Education Act, the Don't Say Gay Bill, which aims to silence youth in search of their identities. Now, first of all, it's published by the Alliance for LGBTQWYX Happy Face Emoji Youth. Um, I, I love that that their entire goal is to is to find youth, help youth find their identities. You, you know what's the easiest thing in the world uh, to, to find your identity? Because you're living it right now. It's you. Congratulations. We found it. Also, the actual hard thing to do is to civilize children and provide them rules, roles, and responsibilities. Okay, but that's not what this book is about. It's about yelling at Ron DeSantis. So this is a book that is now being provided to public schools across the nation to fight Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Here we go. The day was just like any other. It was a time for school and recess and play. But Coco didn't really like going to school because others were mean, especially Mule. Mule's a homophobic Republican, is, is Mule. That's a big problem here. Mule would say things like, why are you so weird? I'm different, okay, says the little zebra. You can't say that here. And Coco would feel a familiar pain in their tummy. Their tummy. What's wrong with me? Why do they look at me funny, says Coco the zebra. It's all about the bullying, guys. That's really all that happens in school. The next morning, Coco awoke to a curious new friend. They were tall and spotted and could make their neck bend. That's a giraffe. What are you doing down there all alone? I ran away into the great big unknown, says Zebra, wondering if others could ever love me for me. And then Giraffe, who is genetically unrelated to Zebra, of course, says, I love you for you. It's okay to just be. Zebra apparently has no, no parents to provide guidance here. After breathing and learning just what to do, Coco saw a few colored stripes shine through. Oh, Coco's a gay zebra. Oh, oh. Coco can't just accept that zebras are not, in fact, rainbow, but that, that's how it works. After feeling, feeling more brave, 
Just after dawn, they were stopped by three donkeys from venturing on. One is a red-headed MAGA donkey, by the way. Be just like us and put this clay on your skin. No, I don't want that. I don't want to fit in. No, it's important. No, no. Social responsibility. No. Coco tried and tried to shake off the clay and met a soft-hearted elephant along the way. Hi there, friend. Why are you looking so sad? Says glad elephant. Someone tried to change me and it felt really bad. Yeah, you can't change children, guys. Kids should just be allowed to do whatever they want and you shouldn't provide them with any sort of guidance at all. That's the thing about kids. You should let them eat whatever they want, study whatever they want, not go to school whenever they want and generally be little cretins, which is what small children are. I have three of them. Hey, you'll be just fine. Let's get rid of that clay. An elephant helped them rinse it away. Ah, surrogate parents coming in. That's great. By now for Coco, things were becoming more clear until a swarm of flies buzzed by their ear. You're different, say the flies. You're strange. You don't belong. Coco swatted the flies and tried to stay strong. Um, all righty. Hummingbird showed them a blossoming field saying, let's sing some new words to help you heal. Words like, I have purpose and my feelings are real. Oh, my feelings are real. Because that, that's the best way to teach kids is that all of their feelings are both real and justified. Because kids are not selfish little creatures with a lot of feelings. They have really big feelings and tiny bodies and not fully developed prefrontal cortexes. But you should just tell them that their feelings are the most important thing about them. So alpaca gave Coco their own fun. New style. They saw all the color and lit up with a smile. Oh, here comes surrogate parent alpaca to teach the zebra to be gay. Very exciting. Confidently, Coco walked by a big waterfall, but this time they didn't feel trapped at all. Oh, look, look, it's all color. It's a gay zebra. They turned the zebras. They turned the freaking zebras. Coco thought about giraffe, elephant, and hummingbird, chicken, alpaca, and the lessons they'd learned. Breathe when you need. Never hide who you are. Listen to your own voice. When it gets dark, shine like a star. Don't be like others. Be brave and be you. Find the courage to be free in all that you do. Yes, no limitations. Authenticity. Follow your own star. After gathering all these incredible tools, Coco marched with confidence right back to school. What happened to you, says Evil Mule? What are you supposed to be? Ah, here comes the punchline. I found the courage to finally be me. The courage to stand out and be truly free. Ah. Take that, Ron DeSantis. It's a gay zebra. Okay, folks, yeah, the sort of non-subtle messaging that you find in children's books, it's there. They're not, they're not trying to hide the ball particularly much. And then if you notice it, they're like, oh, do you disagree with this message? Uh, yeah, I don't think that what kids actually truly need is to be free. I think what kids actually truly, they don't, I don't think kids need to find themselves. I think what kids generally need is guidance. I think they need purpose and meaning given to them by their parents and by their community. And I think that when you free kids of this, what you are actually doing is essentially unleashing a chaotic world upon them that they are not prepared to handle at all. But at least we have a children's book that, that yells at Ron DeSantis in the, in the dedication. Solid stuff there. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll jump into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.